0: and welcome to another episode of Operation Sequel. Today we're going to be talking about Link to the Past, and she's a biggie. First, before we get started, as we tend to do, let's go ahead and read the stats. Uh, Link to the Past was released in 1991 of November in Japan. In North America, it released April 1992, and as per usual, Europe had to wait a bit till September 1992. The director on it was Takashi Tezuka, the artists on it were, by the way, I'm sorry if I mangled this name, Masano Aramoto and Suyoshi Watanabe. The composer was, of course, Koji Kondo, and the writers were Kensuke Tanabe and Yoshiaki Kazumi. There are a couple new names there. The manual blurb is incredibly long, and since I'm not interested in reading audiobooks, because they'd probably be awful, I'm going to read just a small blurb of this because it is a three-page chunk of text. The Golden Land of the Triforce has become a dark world corrupted by Ganon's evil wishes. However, this is not enough for Ganon. He also wants to make Hyrule, the Light World, his own. To do this, he needs to break the seal of the Seven Wise Men. But he cannot do this with power alone. He must also use the light force of the descendants of the Seven Wise Men. With Agahnim the Wizard as his pawn, this is about to become a reality. You, as the legendary hero of Hyrule, must enter the Dark World on a quest to save the Maidens that Aghanim has set there. The aim of the game is to solve the many mysteries and adventures that await you along the way to rescuing the Maidens, defeating Ganon, and returning peace to Hyrule. And they're not joking about the many mysteries. This sucker is chock full of frustrating moments when it comes to figuring things out. So first, I I guess a little history would be good. I played this once when I was younger. It was, I want to say, probably probably sometime in 93. To be honest with you, I was never on, you know, as a kid, you can ask for things for Christmas, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get them. And I remember getting incredibly frustrated at trying to figure out how to get to where I was supposed to go. And while I always, you know, you read these articles about why Link to the Past is special and why it's so important. I mean, it's kind of held up there in the same regard as Super Metroid is. But to me, it was always just, well, I bounced off of it. Must be a great game, just not for me which, you know, of course mirrors how I feel about the series. And I will say that this game is, by far, leagues ahead. Not just 8 bits ahead of the nes ones but way far ahead in terms of game design. The first thing that strikes you in the beginning, the thunderstorm, is it has incredible atmosphere. Like, it works really nice in the beginning. Can't say it sticks throughout the whole game, but it does work very nice to get you in that adventure mood. I mean, I guess the first thing that really strikes you is Polygon Triforce, as a kid that just impressed the crap out of me and even now it makes me smile whenever I see it. As for how it looks, the rounded edge cartoony look that they have going on works great. I love the way that Link looks in this, I love the way he moves. I can't say the same for enemy design, enemy design bored me really quickly, with a few exceptions, like I like the bomb throwing Cyclops things, they are very cool, on the enemy front. Some of the bosses were cool though, I do like them. But yes, the, the way everything kind of looks cartoony, I like that as opposed to the very pixelated look. Like, they didn't they didn't do much with Mode 7 douchery in this one, which is kind of surprising. But I, I like the way it looks. I mean, there are some Mode 7 things, like with the world map and stuff like that, but... On the most part, it doesn't have a lot of gimmicks in it. It's, it's just a nice, smooth, rounded art style. As you start the game, your first inkling is, of course, to follow the directions and you go to rescue Princess Zelda, and you have to go in like this back door of the castle. And the only thing I can say that kind of worried me, but gave me a little bit of hope, was Zelda constantly bugging you. They didn't let you necessarily explore the dungeon, Your fir- well, your first little foray into a small bit of one, without a helping hand. You could tell they were trying to integrate a-, a tutorial into this to make sure that if you're not a returning Zelda fan, you're gonna get everything almost right out of the gate. And that's fine. I mean, playing it now, everybody knows Zelda. Everybody knows you hold the button, do the the 360 sword swipe. Everybody knows that you're going to be getting a boomerang, you're going to be getting a bow, you know, that kind of stuff. So now it's it's a bit of a frustration just because, you know, you want to get through the text and actually play the game. Other than that, they do a very good job of showing you what to do in the beginning without actually strictly telling you. A couple of things coming back to it that... I wish were there, were using the L and the R buttons to cycle through items would have been fantastic. You know, kind of the way uh, Mega Man X does it. That would have been a lot easier because playing this long, especially in large chunks, with the constant item switches, I mean, even in boss fights, like even the Ganon boss fight, it was very tense and it was great, but it started to get annoying very fast. Yeah, you'd have to use it. The lantern and then you have to switch back to your bow and then you might have to switch to your bot. It, it just bugged me. Can't say it broke, you know, my enjoyment or anything. It's just every once in a while I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I got to switch through so many items. Let's, let's just skip that. I like how some of the things are useful now, like boomerang. Never found the boomerang very useful in the first one. And here the boomerang, until you get the hookshot, was almost constantly equipped if I was just fighting things instead of exploring. I'm very sad to see that the uh, that beeping, not gonna complain about it again, just make a note of it, I still hate it. I would say after a good hour or so in the game, I had the feeling of, if you're you're a Souls fan of course you get this, but this is where the real Zelda starts, right? This is where so many of the things that I think of as tropes for the Zelda franchise, it seems like they come from here and it was really nice to be able to see where that stuff begins of course as usual with these these shows i tend to waffle back and forth on good points bad points good points bad points otherwise it gets kind of monotonous with me just saying this is bad this was bad i don't like having to re-clear rooms because you do have to reclear rooms because you will have to go through some rooms unless there's an impetus to do it like if they had xp in here and say your xp gave you I don't know, a little magic power, then that would be incentive to kill things over and over again. I mean, even if they only gave experience, you know, two, three times and then they stopped giving it, at least you wouldn't feel too bad when you have to backtrack through a room, the door's shut, and you have to kill all the enemies again. Especially in the longer dungeons, that gets really annoying. I think they really stepped up their game on the bosses this time. The first boss was, was easy, and it, it, it's a very slight ramp-up in difficulty. <laughs> I actually think there are some regular enemies that are harder than the first boss, which was that group of knights. But it, it was a nice, okay, so when you get to a boss, this is kind of the stereotypical thing that's going to happen. You're going to know you're going to a boss. The doors are going to shut. You know, all the things we know about Zelda. The nicest thing I can say is an upgrade from previous. Well, only the two previous Zelda games was the dungeon locations on the map. Are fantastic. The map isn't exactly the most detailed, but at least it gives you an area where you know you have to go next. Because let me tell you what, it's starting to solidify what I don't like about Zelda. We'll get more, we'll get to more on that later, but for this one it was fantastic to have those. You're gonna be going here in this roundabout area the next dungeon. You have to figure out how to unlock it or how to cross the terrain to get there. Speaking of one of those places, the Lost Woods still kind of impressed me. Like, that's still my favorite part of *Links to the Past, is just those transparency effects are still kind of cool to see. And that's that's one of the few places I think is really dripping with atmosphere, because when I was a kid, it just felt spooky. And sure, it doesn't feel spooky now, but I appreciate their attempt to make it at least a little off-putting to kids. Another upgrade from the last two is the Master Sword actually matters now. The beam you get with the full life is much more useful than it has been in the past two. It covers a wider swath. It's not just a single line. It's kind of a circle that shoots out from your sword. I like the way getting it now is, is an event. I mean, it kind of was in the last two, but here it feels special. I mean, you've got the podium, you have to sift through the the fake swords, it feels like an event that once you have it, you feel like, yes, now I have compound. I mean, it says the Master Sword has the ability to make evil retreat, and I think it would have been nice to actually program some of that in. Say, some of the weaker enemies, once you have the Master Sword retreated from you, and if you wanted to kill them, you had to chase them to kill them, I think that would have been a great way to get that across without the text, but I can't fault it for not doing that. Now, after you defeat every boss, you have to touch the crystal that the maiden is in, and that's where you get your little bits of story. And the story was enough to keep my interest going this time. It wasn't so bare-bones that it didn't matter, but you can tell they put some thought and some effort into it this time. I don't quite get the, do you understand this, before you can actually, you know, continue on because if, you know. Just don't hit the button and you can read it as many times as you want. But, again, I, I can't fault them for that. That's stupid to ding them for something like that. But yeah, as a whole, the story was a lot more interesting and it's it's encouraging to see. I don't remember much of Ocarina, so we'll see if it continues on. I had a bit of a surprise that I didn't remember that Aghanim was Ganon. I do like the difference between the Dark World and the Light World and the fact that enemies change. It could have been very easy for them to just rearrange where enemies appear, instead of making new sprites. As far as the dungeons go, this is where they started to frustrate me a lot. I didn't use a guide per se, I used what I could cobble together out of old Nintendo power issues. And it's not really until you get to the ice dungeon, for me, that boredom really started to set in while I was in a dungeon. It just started to feel tedious, not fun or challenging anymore. And this may stem from the fact that I don't like puzzle games. I, I can't stand them. I'll play them, but I'm not very happy about it. Skull Woods, I think, was the last dungeon that I actually enjoyed doing because I like how you had to do the... You know, it was a bit tricky, but it didn't really hamper my progress in any way. The whole, um, sometimes you have to go up above, drop down a certain hole, To get to a previously unaccessible room. I mean that's fairly easy kid stuff and I enjoyed doing that because in some regards I don't like challenging puzzles. But some of them started to get ridiculous, especially towards the end, right? Which, I mean, that's only natural. But the ones that really started to frustrate me were this one innocuous block that's in the middle of this row. Yeah, your eyes tell you something's right, it's not symmetrical. You have to push it all four ways until it moves. And that was the key to getting out of the room. I don't like that. That that to me that feels like just a waste of time. It doesn't feel like um, a compelling puzzle. You don't you don't get you sort of get the aha moment like oh I figured it out, but it doesn't feel good. It's like oh really that was it? I had to do that at least for me. Also, it was kind of cool to see sound effects again. The, the, you know the not reusing but sound effects that. Just make your ears perk up like heard that before. And then, you know, it's just a fun little game to play. Where where have I heard that before? Also, Chain Chomps. That, that surprised the crap out of me. And that room was a pain right in the ass. As for the bosses themselves, I didn't have a problem with any of them. Most of them, except for... I'm sorry, I can't remember the name. It's the one that looks like a centipede and it will knock you off the platform. But that just feels more trial and error to figure out the best way to get to the tail so that one was fine the one that I really hit a wall on was trihex that three-headed turtle we have to hit one side with the ice rod one side with the fire rod and then the middle opens up and you have to attack the little sneaky looking turtle thing I mean first first attempt I ran out of magic of course because I always carried fairies I didn't carry the actual medicine that would give me magic power and health The second time, I got the two heads down and then the boss surprised the crap out of me and ended up dying. I probably tried that thing a good four or five times. That was probably the highlight for me in terms of boss fights. I really liked that Even more than Ganon, I think, I liked the Trihex fight. Although, I'll tell you what, Ganon was no slouch this time. I really liked the Ganon fight. The switching in that fight, I didn't mind too much. The actual item switching, I didn't mind too much because it, it lended itself to the tenseness having to hit the lanterns to light them, hit the lanterns, no, use the lantern to light the torches, then switch to the bow, hit him with the sword, then hit him with the bow. It almost reminded me of, like, Resident Evil level of item management, where you have to do it quick on the fly, and, you know, hurry up and mix these herbs kind of thing. So I liked that in that fight. That was good. And so now that we've finished the Famicom NES end of the Zelda franchise which is also great because we just finished the NES Famicom versions of Final Fantasy games even though I didn't play those. The Zelda franchise as a whole, i it's really starting to solidify as to why I don't enjoy them. I respect them for what they do, but these three, I can't say I'll ever pick up and play again. And that's not because they're bad by any means. They are... there's a reason why there was a zillion Zelda clones. For me, the game constantly threatens me with boredom, while I have been known to, you know, plow through games that I find absolutely boring. It's starting to wear on me with Zelda. I don't like the core aspects behind the Zelda franchise, I and mean, that's exploring. The exploring to me feels like I'm just wasting time wandering around, and the fact that a lot of times, in especially Link to the Past, it's needed. Like, sure, if you talk to the right townsperson, they'll tell you to go get the Zora flippers and where you have to go and all of that. Same with the uh, the golden bow or where to upgrade some of your things. But I ended up finishing this with four less. Four or five. I think it's four. Four less heart pieces than the max. Or heart containers, I'm sorry. Not the pieces. And, well, eh, I don't know if that's a big deal or not because I, I don't know. It made it a little bit harder, because things started to hit like trucks, until you got that final upgrade to your mail. Which, by the way, I do like that. That is, that is very cool that, that the different equipment you get has a different visual look. That's not a very big thing, but it always feels important to me, like when I'm playing an RPG. Like, being able to see that I've equipped a battle axe instead of just the standard model dagger, it, it always makes me feel a little more attached to the character. And the upgrades you get with your shield, the sword, and, well, the boomerang even changes color, and then your tunic. I I really like that quite a bit, but the problem was, for me, that I have a bad habit of not talking to every townsperson. I actually don't know many people who do, but finding some of these things was incredibly infuriating. Like, I did have to rely on a guide to find some of these things, because I just could not figure out where to go, how to get there, and what inane action I had to do to get it. I don't mind the things like bombing fl- bomb walls, bombing floors. That's fine. That, that's part of the series. That's cool. I like that. You know, being able to spot. Spawn- oh, hey, I should bomb there. That, that's a great thing. But some of these heart pieces are ridiculous to get. Or even getting to the, the Great Fairy to upgrade your bow. I don't know. I just it just tweaks me a little bit. Or, I guess, getting into places like the Swamp dungeon. That's cool that you had to find a certain magic to be able to use it, or with the uh, Quake am, uh, Medallion to, to get into this other dungeon. That's cool, but it does give you a hint that you need to use this to get in there. Because you see the little medallion on the ground, and if you're paying attention, you're like, oh that's the same kind of icon as my medallion. And that's great. That's the kind of, I mean, it's not subtle by any means, but it keeps the action flowing. And Zelda has a bad problem with me, for me, of threatening to stop that flow unless I go explore for a little while. And I mean it's the same reason why I don't like games like Skyrim where well any open-world games really where you have to explore and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna achieve anything it could just be you walking around for an hour trying to figure... I don't like that. And I think the tastes I have that tend to lean towards linear instead of open-world, it's, it's really starting to bite me. I'm a little worried about Ocarina of Time, especially, well, now that we're getting into 3D ones, but I do remember liking Wind Waker, so maybe it's just the way it's implemented, and how that ratio of exploration to items you must have is. If you have to explore a whole bunch to finish the game, then that immediately sets my dander up, where if, you know, if you only want optional items, you can go exploring, then I'm a little more lenient towards it, because I don't have to do it. So I would say, as a final judgment here, oh god yes, everybody should play Link to the Past. It is such a foundational game for this franchise, and it almost feels like Nintendo as a whole. Link to the Past is a huge part of gaming. Everybody should play it. I don't care whether you like it or not. I didn't really love it, and I played it, so you should play it. It's important to our hobby. It's a very important part of our history as gamers. So, yeah, just uh, suck it up and go do it. Now, folks, it's time for what we'll have to call a real talk. I try to make these as timeless as possible. Nobody wants to hear something that's full of references from two years ago. It just kind of gets old and musty. Final Fantasy IV was supposed to come next, and that collection of Final Fantasy games is really tempting. <laughs> I almost want to put a hold on this until uh, we get more details of like how much it's going to cost when it's releasing and all that stuff. If it's coming at all, I mean as far as I know it's still a rumor because if I could play them all just on a PS4 instead of having to switch from system to system to system that would make my life a lot easier and I think that's what I'm going to do. Now what I had down for what to do after Final Fantasy and Zelda was I was going to do American McGee's Alice and Splatterhouse. You know, kind of, well, two very different... Well, you know, it might not be that different, but something uh, that's not going to be as time-consuming as Zelda and Final Fantasy. So, what I'm asking you, the listener, to do is, if you have a preference of you'd rather me stay on Final Fantasy, just tell me to, you know, suck it up and switch systems every once in a while, or if you'd like to see Alice, which includes Alice through the... uh, Not through the Looking Guess, that's the book. The first... Alice game from American McGee on the PC, which you can now play on PS3 and Xbox 360. And then Alice Manis Returns. So it's it's very quick two parter. And then we have Spotterhouse, which includes Spotterhouse 1, 2, 3, the remake, and then Wampaku Graffiti. So if you'd like to see either of those series, or again, just tell me to suck it up, uh, do let us know on either our email at thebid effect at Gmail or Facebook at bid effect or. Twitter at Steve Stakes because we got tired of naming everything the Bit Effect. So, yes, do let me know. I guess here's where I thank you all for listening and being patient with my ramblings. And we'll see you next time, depending on what the game is. It's your choice.